day. Welcome to Cracking the Code. Again, I'm Ryan Skinner, and today I have a good friend on, Olivia Khan. Olivia, welcome. Thank you. Um, I find your, your story beyond interesting. So a little backstory. Olivia and I met. She and I were in the same program together. Like, you know, we were in this 12-step program, and we got to know each other. And then I think at f- first you were walking dogs, and then at one point I asked you, can you help run my office? Because I knew she was trustworthy. And then at one point she was miserable doing that, and I knew it wasn't for her. And then... Next thing I know, I hear you're over in, like, India and traveling the world and then living in Italy. And I'm thinking to myself, how did this girl who seems like a young, sweet kid get the guts and grow up enough to go travel the world? Give me some, give me some backstory. Yeah, I was walking Ted. That, yeah. was, that was how it first started. Um, and then I worked in the office for a little bit. And then I went back to school for uh, my bachelor's in psychology. And then, like, fast forward to traveling I was about, like... 2020 actually was it 2021 i think yeah so oh, it really was, yeah that so was when it first recent. started yeah well i didn't know that i thought it started like in like 2016 2017 no my first my first solo trip was 2013 to 2014 i went to costa rica for like six months that's pretty cool yeah so that was like pre getting sober and <laughs> i was working on a turtle conservation project you went to Costa Rica, like, partying? Yeah. It must have been awesome. <laughs> That's somewhere if I was going back out, I'd be going to Costa Rica. That would be one of my stops. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um, it's good until it's not good. And then no, it's, no, it's, it's the same as anywhere else. Um, and then, yeah, I'm not the type of person that can, like, sit in a room. So when you said it's not for you anymore, yeah. I can't. If I'm not, like, outside and, and with people or seeing the sun, or I can't do it. Yeah, there's something about the sun that's such a gift. Like, mm-hmm. we don't realize it, and then midway through the winter when you're, like, gnawing on your hand, and then by the end of the winter when you want to just die, and you're like, this stinks. Mm-hmm. And then spring comes, and suddenly everything's okay again. You, you, we, a lot of us don't even correlate the sun to being happy, but I, I definitely see it. Yeah, yeah. And so what prompted, like, the traveling, I had, uh, during COVID, I was laid off from my job. I was personal training. Uh, and then I had I had met a friend at that gym, and he wanted to start a coffee shop. And so he asked me, do you want to start a cafe? And I was like, why not? Um, <laughs> so I, I've been in the restaurant industry for, you know, like 10 years um, off and on. So I know how to do that. I'm good with people and everything. And he had no experience in hospitality. So I kind of took over that end, and he was like the coffee piece and and a lot of the operations but together we ran it for like a little over a year um and i was doing a lot of like the management and organizing and cooking so i was like in the kitchen for like eight nine hours a day at the beginning it was six days a week and and like i was just slowly like dying inside. yeah I would, I would imagine that's a tough go yeah so it was incredible business opportunity and i learned so much about business operations and like props to you because it's it's really overwhelming at times um but it got to this point where i just kept thinking like there's such a big world out there And, you know, at the time, I think I was 29 years old. I don't have kids. I didn't have a partner. Like, you know, I don't have anything concrete. So, like, why not just go right now? It's the right thing to do. Yeah. So I sat on it for a little bit. Things kind of popped up in the universe. Someone gave me the book The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Oh, my God. Great Great book. book. And, um, like, little by slow, like, it just came to this point where I was like, all right, I'm going to go. So I bought a one-way ticket to Peru. And that's where it started. Wow. That's so let's get a little backstory. 
you know, I know you're in recovery. Mm -hmm. I know enough about your story, so I could probably tell it, but you'd probably tell it a hell of a lot better. You know, growing up, like a lot of us in recovery, you, you have that pain that, yeah, I, I say a hole in your soul, but people that aren't in recovery, don't have addiction, don't understand that. But that feeling that it's just never right. Like I'm not enough. I walk in the room, I'm the ugliest person, the stupidest person, the this, the that. And then you you got it at a young age. You got into recovery really young, which, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I felt like I was too young to be in recovery. I, I always say, if I could have got this a lot earlier, it would have been a lot less painful. Yeah, I know. And at the beginning, when people would say that, when I was first coming to meetings, I was 22. And it was the last place I wanted to be. Like, I did not, you know, I didn't yeah. know anybody else my age not drinking. So, like, what was I going to do? And um, and people would say, oh, I wish I got it when I was your age or all this stuff. And, and I was so resentful because yeah. in my head I was like, I still had more time to, like, go party. But, like, realistically, you know, the end of my drinking looks like me just wanting to die. Yeah, the party was over. It was I don't so care what over. Age, I don't care what age you get it. I used to go, a friend of mine started a young people's meeting, right? And he'd be like, right, will you stop in and hang in just so we can get some bodies in there? So there'd be, like, six of us older guys. And I wasn't that old back then. I was probably in my early 30s. And, and then it was him and a few other guys. And then next thing you know, I stopped in, like, a week ago. I went out to get an ice cream on a Friday. On my way home, it was down the street. I popped in. They had to be 200 kids under the age of 30. And I was like, wow, that's a gift. Like, yeah. I can't even fathom that's a gift. And, you know, I look around and I think to myself, oh, my God, can you imagine, like, that many people? Because in this social life, they do things sober. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I didn't do anything sober. And even when people thought I was sober, I usually wasn't. Like, when I was a young kid before I got in recovery, like, sometimes people wouldn't even know, but I'd be on pills, uh, on this and that. And that's incredible. So you get sober when you're young. And, and I mean, the world really is your oyster at that point because you're right. You didn't have any commitments. I look back and I don't want to say regrets, but I think if there was one thing I would do differently, I would say I, would say I look back to my, you know, my 20s and or my early 30s, mid 30s, if I'm being realistic. God, I'm a lot older than I thought. Um, <laughs> but in my mid 30s, I remember saying, I want to open an office in Florida. And I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I kept shelling, put it on the rack, put it on the shelf. And then the next thing I know, I'm married and we're trying to have a kid and I have a kid. And, and, and then you don't have the luxury of opening an office in another state because now you've got a commitment. And, and, and a commitment is great, but it can also, you know, it kind of puts you in a spot where you're in a box. And now I'm going to a spot where I won't have the exact same level of commitment. And I'm doing that. I'm opening the office in Florida and it's, I'm psyched about that. Like, obviously, you're not always psyched when other things in your life go sideways, but I'm psyched about the opportunity to do it again. I, I do believe the universe presents opportunities, and it, it's and I think the universe puts it in front of you a few times. Mm -hmm. You get a few shots at things, but at some point, you don't get another shot. Right. You know? It wants to propel you on the path that you are already feeling inside. And things might not, li not line up at certain times, but you're right. Like, it, And it's the same with, I think, like lessons. Um, like the same kind of learning experiences we put in front of you and it's going to look different but it will literally be the same until you learn the lesson I've learned I, that lesson. I think it just gets more painful each time yeah yeah you just nailed it I, I could say as somebody who's currently living that is I often say my life is the same scene different cast like yeah. I could I could go back five years ten years fifteen years and my life almost identical. You would just see a different group of people in the life, but the same scene, same situation, same progression, same failure, same. It wasn't until this time I was like, I got I to learn some lessons here. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's crazy you said that. I didn't even know you really believed that stuff so so much. I mean, I'm crazy to that because I think it's so true. The universe wants you to do well. Right. Like, it's a giving universe. It's loving you. When people say, oh, I have a hard time having success in business, I'm like, that, that, there's no excuse for that because it's easy. 
because we're at, you just got to find what the universe wants you to do and then do it. Yeah. Part of what like got me into traveling was I a couple years ago, I started reading the Bhagavad Gita, which is like the ancient Hindu textbook, yeah. like, you know, um, and I got super into diving deeper into spirituality you know, because we're in this program that's all about action and changing the person you brought in. And there's no such thing as stagnating. Like you have yeah. to grow. If you're not growing, you might think you're coasting, but it doesn't happen. You're no, going you backwards. Yeah. yeah. It's just like the disease is telling you you're doing all right. It's yeah. not true. Um, and I got really curious about that spiritual aspect. And they talked about layers of meditation and and they talked about having a guru and it kind of reminded me of like, you know, you get sober and you get into the program and they're like, get a sponsor. Yeah. And you start listening to what your sponsor is suggesting to you. And that was kind of how it is with like a, a guru, so to speak. So that kind of like it propelled my quest. Right. So I was like seeking this like guru to help me with my spiritual growth and all of this stuff. And it started like in Peru. And then I, I ended up in Colombia in an ashram Really? In, yeah, in Colombia. And um, it was a eco-yoga ashram. And so I started studying yoga there. Um, and they practice bhakti yoga, which is like a sect that's pure devotional, pure love. There's lots of chanting. I grew up Jewish, so it kind of reminded me of like going to temple. There's lots of singing. Yeah, I remember my cousin's um I think it was her, um, uh, what is it called? Bat Mitzvah. Bat Mitzvah. Yeah. That's what it was. It wasn't Bat Mitzvah. <laughs> the and I remember it, and like, there was a lot of chanting. Yes. Yeah. There's like so much singing. Um, and it's like these methods of like praising like the your God or higher power, however you want to call it, and like getting closer to God. Um, and that same woman who I studied yoga with, she invited me to go to India with her and her family, like a couple, like two months later. And, it's so, so it's just so funny the way you just casually grabbed this lady and her family moved to India, so I just went with them. Well, it's just so crazy because when I went to Colombia, I had plans. Like, I was like, I'm just going to go to the beach side and I'm going to go like do a work stay over there. And I met somebody in Peru randomly and they were like, oh, I study yoga at this ashram. And you should come. And I ended up in Colombia and I like was back in contact with that person, called that per the woman. And like two days later, I was on a bus straight to go to her ashram. That was like not wow. the plan. Yeah. That's so crazy. it's like little things just like when you're in it, you're like flowing. Yeah. And that flow state where it actually makes sense, even though nobody else thinks it makes sense. Right. But like one of like the biggest lessons I think I've had to learn over the past few years that's presented itself is like the same thing with that you hear in, in the program is like you can't put anybody on a pedestal like yeah. people, places and things will fail you every time when you so try true. to like make them be the thing that's going to like fix or change you. Um, and even with like this woman's ashram, like I thought that that was it. And that was like I, I kept looking for people outside of myself to to be the one that was going to guide me on this journey of like to tell me like this is where you're going to go and what you're going to do. Yeah. I just wanted somebody to give it's me. Easier. We exactly. think it's easier. I, mean, I, I tell you, I put people on pedestals at times, and it got me out of me, which didn't make me look at me. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like it's a way for me to not take responsibility for my life again, which yeah. is what I did like prior to, you know, getting Isn't sober. Isn't it funny they were always looking for that? Like I'm like a big man child. I said the other day to somebody, I'm like, I'm like a kid with a big allowance. Like I don't have – I'm not very responsible. Um the idea of having to, like, like I'm tr learning, like the, the idea of like three days a week getting up and cooking for my kids and getting them dressed and getting them off, it scares the hell out of me if I'm being honest. Like, I don't even know how to cook. Luckily, I have a couple of girls that like program my friends with. They're like, we'll teach you how to cook. I'm like, no, I don't know how to cook. We'll, we'll figure this out. Yeah. And that's the great thing about being involved in something is 
there are people that come around like brothers and sisters it'll be okay i can show you this we'll mm-hmm. we'll teach each other but yeah i i think a lot of us are looking for somebody just to run our life for us right and like i so you know as we're talking about like lessons that you have to learn this is one that has been shown to me repeatedly in different people until i get it and like this past time um you know i end up in india and uh like, you know, we were talking about, was I afraid to go? Like, no, I had, I wasn't really afraid to go Your at parents all. parents afraid? Not to be rude, but were they worried about this? Yeah, oh, my God. They, they had to be scared. Like, they I'm were sorry. terrified. They were absolutely terrified. When I went, when I went to South America, they were, <laughs> I told my mom and she was like, no, no, you're not. And I was like, oh, I'm 29. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. India was definitely, but the thing is like, so I end up, you know, traveling with this woman who was running her yoga retreat. She'd asked me to help her with it, with her kids. And, you know, for a month, we all traveled as a group. And then I was kind of on my own and decided to go north to Dharamsala, which is where the Dalai Lama is. So it's really? super close to Nepal. It's an amazing place, like very beautiful, ah. spiritual, like really, it's amazing. Um, but I ended up from there meeting up with this group of people and... Uh, Again, like looking for that like one guru that was gonna fix me, right? I got inducted to like three different sects of yoga. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. I because can't one isn't enough. Like let me do like <laughs> ten of them. Attic behavior. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it really like the over the course of the next few months, like I had spent some time in Goa, and then I was traveling with this group of people. They took me to Italy because they were like, like, come to Italy with us. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, I wanted to be a sponge. Like, I I wanted to learn as much about... It's super cool. I mean, every time we talk, like, I want to know more. I want to... Because it's just... It's so strange to me as somebody who can't get... Hasn't been able to leave Boston for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I go on business trips, but I told you, I get anxiety leaving Massachusetts. When I hear people that free, because this is the first time in my life where I'm like, you know what, I'm not just staying under a rock. You know what I mean? It took me till 43 to get this. So when, when somebody says, I started this at 29, I'm like, how the hell did they get it so young? Yeah. So when you got to Italy, what, how did you end up in Italy? It was with this group of people that I was with. I had met. So it was still yoga? Yeah, they okay. they practiced Ayurveda. They practice yoga. What's um, Ayurveda again? You told so, us. So, yeah. So Ayurveda is, um, Ayur means uh life and veda means science so oh no no veda is life and ayur is science science of life is literally what it translates okay. to so it's a super ancient that's what you explained to me about yeah. like doing medicine to yeah. get your body to heal itself rather than just pumping yeah. pills into your body exactly it works i used to like, love the other way i used to yeah, love pumping pills into my body <laughs> but i suppose it's not a long-term solution because it didn't end well so right so like as addicts and alcoholics it's like there's other ways of love living of like and I think when you're a kid growing up, like, you don't know, right? Like, yeah. I wasn't taught to understand my own body. And, like, a lot of the language I have now for my experiences came from AA. I yeah. had no idea how to explain that I was terrified as a kid. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't I know that. Anxiety. And then my dad would bring me to a therapist because I was having panic attacks. But I thought a therapist because the name said doctor outside the door. They were going to give me a shot. And I was afraid of needles. Who would have thought fast forward? I would have loved needles years later. But and I remember I would sit there and freeze, and the doctor would be like, "Do you want?" And I'd be like, "No, no, no." And I'd be so tense again, like he wants to get to come at me with a needle, and I never got it, and I never ever got it, and I had such deep fear and anxiety, and like my parents couldn't understand it. Right. And that's the thing. Yeah. And so the the thing that they usually do is they want to pump pills in your body. My parents didn't have me signed up for that, but they probably in this day and age they would have. Because mm-hmm. I had terrible ADHD my whole life, and um, 
you know, I remember a doctor saying to me recently, you should be on ADHD, you know, Adderall. I'm like, I'm 43. I'll be all right. Thanks. Like, um, but it's just very common. It, and when young kids now, they try to, they think they're curing them, but they just pump in more crap into them. Right. I rem- like I was 15, I think. And, and my first like real addiction was an eating disorder. Yeah, and, and so I wound up in an inpatient residential at like 15, 16 years That's old. Crazy. And like they just hand out drugs to you, right? Like, and I had no idea, you know, I'm under 18. So when you're under 18, like you have to do what the state tells you to do. And like, there was one time, I think I like fell asleep at like two in the afternoon and woke up at like six and thought it was eight o'clock in the morning. Like I was so messed up on, on these pills and I didn't ask for them. Yeah. But, but because I had this disorder, they were like, oh, well, this is the means of curing you. Of yeah, like, let's make you tolerable. Like, that's what they, that's like the, the thing with the methanol and stuff. Let's make people so they're not robbing people. We don't care if they get better as long as they're not a burden. Right. And and I think every time you tell me that stuff, I think, oh my God, now having like a three year old, I just think to myself, oh my God, as a father, you poor, your poor parents. Like, I can't fathom having a child go through that. You see, my parents didn't get it. Like, my stuff, my isms weren't as high on the surface, they were so far down. You know, I'd be a great athlete. I did all the stuff on the outside. Just like when I built my business in my early 20s. I, on the outside, everything was good. On the inside, it was about to collapse until it did. Right. And so you, you get through. And then at what point did the drinking and drugging and partying take off? Um, right around, like, that same age. I mean, my all in all, like, my drinking career wasn't super long. Um, I My first drink, I was, like, f- I think I was 14 or 15 years old. Yeah, and getting much. sober at 22. And it really took off, um, like in high school, it was on the back burner just because of the eating disorder. And yeah. that was like my means of control and getting out of myself. Um, and I managed to just kind of like plateau so that people would stop worrying. And then, then I applied to college and really with the, like my concept was like, just get away. Like I yeah. just wanted to get away. I didn't go far. I went to Framingham State. But still, it's just <laughs> a matter of getting out of it where you're used to being. Right. Like, and my mom had gotten sober. So alcoholism kind of runs in my family. She got sober when I was 16 years old. That's uh, cool. And yeah, and she went back to school. She became an Ayurvedic, or not an Ayurvedic, alcoholic counselor. Really? Interventionist. Oh, yeah. wow. So it was That's like cool. really great for her. But she, you know, then she's like chasing me around the house. <laughs> the big book. <laughs> like, yeah, big book all the time. And uh, it was not good news for me. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. When they get it, they get it. You know, that's, yeah. I remember when somebody trained my parents about addiction. They were like, you can't let him come here. You can't do this. And when the word no started coming up, I'm like, no, you can't get him to our house. And I was like, well, and then I ran out. The gig was up. So I think what really hits me is like when you were talking about you know, the eating disorder and getting control. I can't tell you how often in my life I will create stresses to have something that I have to control. Like whether it's pills, um, whether it's unhealthy situations, relationship-wise or friendship-wise, whatever it is, it's almost like I crave something with chaos so that I can get out of me and focus on the chaos so I don't have to look at me. And, And as of late, the last like six months to a year, I've been looking at me a lot more and I'm like, oh my God, like, Jesus, I am a chaos-seeking missile. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't look for peace. I would tell people I look for relief and drugs and peace of mind and this and whatever. Truth is, I look for chaos. Anything that would distract me from Ryan, right? You know, and I and I think when you said that, it reminded me of that. It's we want controls because we have so little control. 
Exactly. And our, like, outer life is so chaotic. But you're right. Like, I created and have still created chaos. Yeah, I get that. Uh, <laughs> it's just, like, a more comfortable. It's like when, when there is finally that stillness, it feels unsettling and, like, there's something wrong. Like, I'm still working on being comfortable with that. And, and like, part of the whole travels, right, and, like, you saying it's fear, like, it's there's it's fear-inducing for you to, yeah. like, think about going to a different country or, like, all of it is like this journey of self-discovery, right? Like that's what life is really about is like this constant unfolding and searching of like, who am I really here? Yeah. Um, and come to find out like you don't have to travel thousands of miles away. Like yeah. it's, you just don't like, I, um, I was given this card by a girl that I had met in India and um, it said coming home. And on the card, it was like a lot of people have this concept that coming home means coming back to like this physical location, right? But it actually means coming home to this being that is dwelling yeah. inside. That's cool. That Yeah. So it was just, you know, like another point on this path that I was like, stop searching outside, stop creating like this chaos, stop, yeah. you know, looking at everything else or thinking like the answer is going to be over here or under this rock or like in this next venture. Like it's inside. That's pretty cool because you can say, well, you maybe you can't see it, maybe you can. I can see that you when you when I came saw you come back around. Like I remember seeing walk into a room and I was like, you have a quiet composure now that you didn't have before. That's the best way I can describe it, and that's important because I mean I know for me, um, when I got a year sober, I went to I said I'm gonna go to Aruba because Aruba's where I did got the most banged up. I mean I ran a muck on that island, whether it was coke, dope, anything. I just ran wild. And so I said, I'm going to go back there. I'm going to read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Mm. And I'm going to read, read the Tao each night before I go to bed. That's what I did. And, uh, and I went to 7 a.m., 12, 7 meetings. Every, so it was great. But same thing. Like, I went there because I was, like, on a mission. Now I go up the street to the pond and I, like, sit there and do some reading. The truth is my backyard's just as woodsy and I got a pool. So it's just me just as fine. Right now it's just a little tense. So it's easy to go to a other location. But, yeah, it's weird. The hardest part is like it, sometimes just getting in the car and driving somewhere for me is just the anxious action. Right. Like for so many nights I would drive around, I'd smoke a cigar, I'd be doing this. I couldn't stand my own skin. And lately I've been just quietly going to bed, relaxing, trying to go to sleep at a reasonable hour rather than just run with chaos, wake up with chaos, run late. But that's so much easier. I know. And like when I think about early sobriety too, it was like, I had people that would just put me in the back of their cars, like yeah. older older women, yeah. and I'd be like, "Sorry, Olivia, just like get in the seat. Like you don't have to talk." They'd put the radio on. We'd drive around, like take me to the Aguam Diner in Rowley and go get pie. Yeah. Right? Like I didn't know how to like function, but I couldn't sit still, so it was constant like movement. And yeah. I remember I I was dog walking too at this time and it was like March there was still a ton of snow on the ground and I was like I'm gonna like just go for hikes because now I need to be this like outdoorsy person and go hiking all the time and <laughs> I went to Breakheart which isn't like anything crazy and I had kind of abducted this woman's dog um, <laughs> and uh, I, I told her I was just gonna take her for a walk around the corner or, or something and um and the snow, there was like two feet of snow still <laughs> on the ground. You couldn't walk into break art. And the logical thing would have been to just like turn around. But I was like, no, I need to go. I need to like, <laughs> and I ended up getting lost. This poor dog were like getting stuck <laughs> deep. Like, dead. <laughs> and I had to call. I couldn't even figure out where I was. I was so far away from where I parked my car. I had to cut through someone's backyard. I was so off trail. And it's just like stuff like that that I would do just because I couldn't yeah. sit with myself. I get it. Sober, yeah. like, and, yeah. you know. Sober's harder than using it. Because usually I can sit with myself because I'm out of myself with that. So I'm chasing more pills or more this, more that. 
so my mind is always distracted. Sober, it's like, oh my God, I gotta, I, I'm sitting here and now my body's here, yeah, my mind's here and it's just like the hamster wheel. And I've learned that, you know, I, some of the guys I hang out with have long-term recovery and I, I look at them and I'm like, geez, it doesn't change. Like it does, I mean, you get better at managing it, mm -hmm. but the, the hamster wheel, I mean, friends of mine last night, almost 20, 25 years sober and he was going through something. I'm like, this is what I used to look forward to, you know, years down the road, <laughs> shit, get me. But the reality is you manage it better. And I think, um, I mean, honestly, yeah, you didn't have to do that journey, but that's pretty cool. Well, that's kind of like talking about managing is like, that's kind of what propelled me on the journey of studying yoga. Uh, because I had been doing like the physical practice that we have here in like the U.S., and it's not really yoga. Like, you know, yeah, you I don't go, know enough about it. I've done it twice and I fell asleep at the end. And the whole time I was doing it, my body got beat to crap. And I was like, this sucks. I had somebody, your eyes are closed. Somebody grabs your hips to fix you. You jump out of your skin. You're like, what the hell's going on here? What kind of, what kind of free show did you bring me to? Like, I went to yoga with a girl once. My eyes are closed. They tell you to do downward dog, whatever the hell it is. The lady who's running the class, no, my eyes are closed. They tell you to close your eyes. Grabs my hips and moves my. I think I'm getting assaulted. I jump like, you know, I'm like, what the? What kind of like, you know, swing his body is this shit? I'm out of here. And then at the end, they tell you to lay down on your back, and I'm out snoring. And like, sure. I'm like, this is just not good. I did it twice, but it's funny. My therapist, who just called a few minutes ago, um, he said to me, he said, "You've got to get into yoga." He's like, "If you did yoga twice a week, three times a week, you'd be a, you'd be a different guy." Yeah. So it's bringing the bot. It's bringing your mind. It's it's bringing you back into your body essentially okay. like through these different physical i mean yoga has eight limbs uh so it's not just a physical practice but the physical practice helps you through the movements like be fully present yeah that makes so sense. the idea is like moving with your breath through each posture and so then you're kind of getting a better understanding like i'll feel parts of my body that i didn't even know existed in certain poses right i get that like it's just how am I, you know, 31 years old and know so little about my body? And like, you know, that's, that's like the I'm 43 and I, all I know is the yeah. experience, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so yeah. And then, but I, with yoga, like there's, there's so much more than just the physical practice, which is what I wanted to like dive deeper into. And what I feel like in the West, like we took, uh, what markets and what sells. That's what the West does. It's just exactly. it's, it's all what sells. Exactly. But then, like, when I go to India and, you know, the birthplace of yoga and see how it is, like, it was really, really cool. Now, do they do it in, like, a heated room like we do it here? No, is that, just that doesn't exist. Up? That's so, exercise. That's an exercise class. Yeah, it sounds like it to me. It just didn't seem healthy, to be honest. It's, 105 degrees. Yeah, away. it's not. That's not, I mean, when and then, it, like, when I would talk about, like, that's what they would do. Um they were kind of, it's just sad. Probably you put know? Off, they yeah. were like, <laughs> is this what you guys do over there? <laughs> what kind of shit are you into? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they go into more of, um, and a lot of it is like, like replicated of the 12 steps. It's like, yeah. it's just like ways of principles of living your life. One of them is like, um, not stealing, which you might think is like, like, you know, physically taking something. Right. But it's actually talking about like, am I taking someone's time? Am I misusing, um, uh, like, energy or, like, you know, like how Never we just, of that. Com am I misusing words? Like, am I, over if someone's excited about something and they're celebrating and then I jump in and I'm like, oh, well, I just got this award. I just went there. Like, I'm robbing that person of their time That's to, like. cool. Yeah, so it's stuff like that. That, that I stuff would no never fly in the U.S. No, like. I mean, there are, there are tons of schools of yoga now, and they all teach this, which is incredible. Um, but it's just, it's going to take a little bit more time for it to become more 
well known. I think this country is going in that direction because I think people are tired of the way it's been. Right. I think people are tired of the rat race, especially the younger generations. Like I joke around, I say like the younger generation, you know, I say about them, they're bums and this and that because the kids, they don't want to work hard enough. But I think if they felt like they were working hard enough for a cause, like the kids that work with me, the younger guys, once they understand that you're trying to be a service to people and it's not about chasing money, they get the program real quick. Like, you know, I say, listen, I could have sold this business years ago. I got a good offer. I could be done. It's not who I am. Like, I owe these people a commitment. I'll walk them through their retirement. Would I like to retire? Yeah. Fuck yeah. You know? But I committed when I shook their hand that I'd be there until they dropped. And that's the commitment. Now, at some point, I'll stop taking on clients because I'll fade off into the sunset as they die off. And I'll hand the new ones to these guys. When they understood that, suddenly they weren't asking about, you know, commission or revenue. They were like, you know, kids that struggled to come in on time get here early, you know, because they see, they buy into the system. And I think the younger generation, I think the same thing will happen with yoga is I think when people start really wanting more of a purpose, because I think it's getting there because if people burnt out in the U.S., mm-hmm. I mean, you can't keep going like the way this country's gone in the last X amount of years if it's sustainable. No, it's not. And you're able to see that like in, in the pl- various places I've traveled, like yeah. they're trying to push towards living an American lifestyle and they're... Are they really? Yeah. You see it. I know it is really sad. You see it all the time, especially in India, that where they're ten and a half hours time difference. They're ahead of us. I don't know where the half hour comes from. It's really bizarre, but it's a thing. Um, And there will be people who work overnight because that's American hours. Well, you see them working on Comcast. I had a guy in the other. I called Comcast like a month ago, and the guy's like, you know, my name is. Michael and he had like an Indian accent and I have friends that are from India so I, I know the accent and I said you don't sound like a Michael what's your real name I wouldn't want to be called Bob like tell me your real name and he said his name was like Bob and I was like listen Michael we'll talk <laughs> we'll go with Michael because I can't do this I was telling my buddy Raj and he goes so what do you say after you say that I said hi Michael <laughs> like, you know, he's like, but the thing is I thought to myself this poor guy is so busy chasing money that he's working the night shift so we can make American dollars. And he's not making our American dollars. We're not paying him a fair rate. If we were paying the same thing we paid an American, I'm okay with that. But we're paying the guy like three bucks an hour. And that's the sad part is they're chasing it. You're right. I forgot about that. Right. And so then this like hugely spiritual country that's like the birthplace of all of these like amazing practices yeah. is now like, like they – they just passed the U.S. in the largest population of obesity and diabetes. Really? No, diabetes. Yeah, of the world, of the whole That's world. crazy. I thought we were always king of that crap, you know? No, they just, wow. because they're so trying to move towards this lifestyle. So, you know, in a way, it's like I went to go study this this medicine, but then I'm seeing that they're not actually following it because they're trying to live the way that we're trying to live. Because people want money. And, and we're killing ourselves and, you know the environment by doing what we're doing so yeah it's, it's, it's really definitely destroying a lot of stuff and it's sad to think that these other countries and they don't have the regulation at least we have some regulations like with the epa they don't have anything so you can a friend of mine said he's like i have cows my cows are dying because of the, over there because of like the environment like how poorly it's taken care of like what they're eating and drinking he says it's awful yeah yeah apparently cows are very valuable over there they are (laughs) they really are yeah i mean most the majority of the people in india are vegetarians the cow is sacred yeah like if you kill a cow like that's it's karma you don't want you're never gonna live that down it's funny this guy was like very upset his cow died i'm like can you just buy another cow he's like you don't understand i'm like and i didn't understand he was right and what, and then one of my other clients who does a lot of business in India, he's like, yeah, well, we had like all these cows passing. We get stuck on the road for like three hours. I'm like, why are we on the road? Why are you be 
deep, run one down, you'll teach a lesson in the rest of the movie. He's like, no, you don't understand. No. I'm like, oh, I forget about that. There were like places that would stay, different ashrams, and uh, they would do ceremonies for the cows. So you'd be like singing your chant, your chants or whatever, and, and everyone would go in and they call them goshalas. Okay. So it's where the cow, they keep the cows. And they take like top-notch care of these cows. Really? They put like bows in their hair, brush them, like really? do the, yeah. I want to be whole, a cow. I'd like my nails nine. done and my hair done. You know, I have to just crap myself. <laughs> so you go in and you like feed the cows and like do oh, it. Cows are cute. They're so yeah, cute, cute though, know? wet noses. Yeah. They're adorable. And then I would step outside of the ashram. And it was just pure insanity. I don't know how people live over there. <laughs> but it opened the door, and um, the this, this street was, like, super busy. And yeah. So there would be, like, hundreds of people walking barefoot um, each direction. There would be rickshaws, like the little tuk-tuk. They really have those? There would be buses. There would be – I saw camels. I saw, like – Cows pulling carts and then just like one cow sitting in the middle of all of it and everything is just going like around. He's like the enchanted cow. Yeah. <laughs> I took a video because it was just ridiculous. Like you could see. Oh. That's crazy. And I didn't know they really had rickshaws. Oh, yeah. Again, yeah. I've only seen rickshaws on the side. But most of my knowledge comes from Seinfeld, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Sadly enough, I can relate anything to Seinfeld. I don't know about much else. So that's crazy. They really have rickshaws though. Yeah. They have every mode of transportation. It's really... Now, my client that goes here said that there's mopeds everywhere. They drive like mad. Yeah. I don't... If you can drive in India, you can literally drive anywhere. Like, people think Boston is bad. Like, no. Really? It's that bad? <laughs> it's chaos. But, like, they, they figure it out. It's the most... Well, you lived in Italy, so how about... I think the most chaotic, scary time of my life was when I was in a cab, and we're going on the Amalfi Coast, and, and the two lanes go to one on both sides. And you're sitting there, you're going into the tunnel, and somebody's coming at you. It's a one lane, the, the road's going to a one lane tunnel, so you've got a bus coming at you, and you have to make it through before the bus. It's insane. Yeah. I know. Italy, it, driving in Italy is pretty wild as well. It was insane. It yeah. was hell. I was scared to death the whole time. I'm like, who likes this? Like, I'm holding on. I'm like, and then you go up to the Amalfi Coast, there's no beach. So you just drive around this little village. And you think, you said, I almost died to get to this goddamn village. Yeah. It was not good. So, what part of Italy do you live in? I was in Tuscany, in oh, Montepulciano. I've never been there. It's awesome. Yeah. And then I was up. I went to Venice, and I went to the Cinque Terre, um, and Florence. Florence was awesome. Yeah. Florence was the best bolognese sauce I've ever had. I never had bolognese until I was there. Then I ate it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Literally breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I had an old lady that would open her shop and give me breakfast there because I would tip her well. Yeah. And I would literally go have bolognese sauce at 7 or 8 in the morning. It was incredible. Best – Trey Monty moved second in that place, Songo, and moved third. Um yeah, that's incredible. And then I didn't. I wasn't overly impressed with Rome. I mean, it was cool. I got hooked up, so I got to go. I missed going into the um, Coliseum, and then I went to the hotel. I was really bummed out. The guy's like, "Why are you bummed out, sir?" I, you know, he would call me Iron Ryan. And I, Iron Ryan, why are you bummed out? And like, honestly, I missed the Coliseum. Uh, he's like, "Tomorrow, what time are you doing dinner?" I said, "Like five. He said, "Come see me after." His wife was there. She was a head tour guide there. She took me after his clothes. Let me run around, run wild. It was wow, awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, Amanda was bored, but I was running everywhere. I was like, this is crazy. Imagine gladiators down here. Like, I can't even imagine being lifted up to fight a dragon or whatever the hell they fought. And then, um, and the Malfi Ghost was incredible. I mean, that was like lights out. Like, I mean, yeah. Capri and like, um, where was it? Um, Positano and like all those places in Sorrento. I was blown away. Like, that was, that to me was just like, um, so you go, you end up in Italy. Was that your last stop for Cornell? Pretty much, yeah. In Italy, like we had traveled to Montenegro um, 
Andorra, which I didn't even know Andorra was a country. That's a country I didn't even know was. <laughs> yeah. so I just thought it was part of Italy. I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. No, you have to drive through France to get to Andorra. It's out of the, um, I forget, there's like 32 countries in the Schengen zone. Okay. So, yep. yeah. It's right not, over. yeah, it's uh, not, unless you're like an avid skier, I don't recommend no, going. No, I, I, yeah. I ski on my ass when I ski, so I don't ski anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't ski well, honestly. Yeah. I've, I've tried it. It's like skating on hockey. I'm like, no, it's great skiing. This is not like skating. This is like falling down and breaking my legs. <laughs> it sucked. I was like, my friends brought me on like one of the steep hills. They thought, oh, you're athletic. I got my ass and they finally, I'm walking down with the things in my hand. I was just like, threw it at them and I was done. Yeah, it's not for everyone. No, it's not for me. I don't like the cold. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to see how people like cold sports. Like people like, get a snowmobile. I don't want a Billy J. Get a snowmobile. I don't, I don't want a snowmobile. I want to go to an island when it's warm, cold. I talked to clients this morning. They were up here on the beach for the summer. Then they go back to Florida. Now, that's the life I want. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> you know, I'll come up when I have the kiddies and I'm going back to Florida. Um, so let me ask you, what would you be like? You've had such an interesting life. What would your number one takeaway be? Because... You're in a good spot that most people don't get to to their 50s, 60s, or, or if ever. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, what would you say your biggest takeaway would be? Um, I on like honestly at this point, and I got back at the end of May, um, and the circumstances like I wasn't expecting to come back when I did, and like I said, this was like a lesson that I needed to learn, and I feel like it was um, one of the most painful because it was it was like you need to learn this now <laughs> like <laughs> stop messing around um and the biggest takeaway really is like that everything I'm searching for I'm searching with like everything that I've been looking for is inside that's pretty cool but I just need I need to actually sit and take the time to just be quiet like how often do we just sit and just be like be it's the hardest thing. I've been trying to meditate. I used to meditate all the time. And, like, I was a rock star. I would do 20 minutes. And I would actually, to be sitting still for 20 minutes with no noise. And now it's like I'm getting, to like, five minutes, six minutes. And I'm getting, like, and I'm lucky if I can hit 10 without an anxiety attack. Isn't that crazy to sit 10 minutes? And I started journaling after, like, a letter to, like, God. I write God because I don't know what else to call him, to be honest. But whatever, the energy source. And I start writing just, like, what came to me or what I feel, like, but it's so hard to take that time. It probably, it's probably 20 minutes, 30 minutes worth of time a day. But it's the hardest thing in the morning to do. I know. And, like, we, I don't know, we think, like, oh, I have all these things to do today. But, like, really, do we? No. We're so, busy getting busy. That's, right. That's it. I mean, I, in my opinion, I wait, I realized how unimportant. I used to think what I did was so important. I manage people's wealth and this and that. Like, I had this, I mean, you see how I come to work now. I mean, I used to go in a suit and tie every day. Like, my attitude is, why would you business great? If not, I don't give a shit. But the reality is, like, I thought it was so unique, so important. The reality, I, the service is important. Caring about people is important. But what we do really isn't all that unique or important. That's right. a hard thing to learn. It's who we are. It's like how we show up in the world. Yeah. So I'm more interested in, in now, like in my morning prayers and meditation, I'm like begging to be shown what can I bring into the, into the day, into the world, as opposed to what I can just keep taking. Well, let me ask you this. This is probably a weird thing to ask you. What would you say, um, what's your morning routine like? Uh, so now it's, um, when I wake up, I... I get on my knees, I pray. Um, and then I have like, I set up like a yoga mat and I have like a little altar. So I remember you said you had a yoga mat, but yeah. you had a little altar thing? Yeah, so I have like, I have the Buddha on there. I have this little um, bowl that I got from Peru that's like, the bowls are pretty sacred in Peru. Oh. 
And then I have Don Vantari, who is the the god of, of Ayurveda in India. Okay, good. Um, and then I have, like, other little, like, trinkets and things that just kind of, like, from different places that I've been. That's cool. That just all come together that I know are, like, these protectors, so to speak, or, like, yeah. just guides, you they know? They you throughout the journey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And I, I light some incense. Um and I have readings, so I read eighty-two to eighty-eight in the in our big book. I guess that's what I don't yeah. do it. Every everybody, you're like the fifth person last week. Again, the universe just is literally the fifth person. I hadn't heard anybody talk about it years. Fifth person a week. Yep. And uh, then I have three other books, like just like daily reflections that I read from. And then I started writing out um, in the mornings. I'll do just like a kind of a quick gratitude list. And then I write out like a list of what do I need help with today? Something like I'm giving to God, like help me with this today. And then I, and then I offer it and I let it go. Like it's not in my hands. It's not, I'm not in control. And then I sit and I'll do a meditation. Um, How long is your meditation? So right now, I'm no, 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 it's the same. (laughs) I can't do much more than like 20 minutes without getting itchy. But 20 minutes is pretty good. So yeah, it'll be like 20 minutes. And usually it's something guided because right now it's just helpful for me to hear somebody's voice and follow along. That's huge. I had to put the dong, you know, the dong, like the inside timer. So I have it every two and a half minutes. So at least if I hear that every two and a half minutes, it gets me out of rhyme. So what else are we going to end with it? There's something else I wanted to tell you. So when you talk about gratitude list, every morning I wake up, I write down 10, when I get here, I write down 10 things I'm grateful for and why. Because it's easy to put down, I'm grateful for my chair, I'm grateful for my desk, but why? Well, it's a comfortable chair. There was mm-hmm. a day I was in prison sitting on a metal thing, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, and then um, and I, I have a God box on my desk. Klein made me this little box, and she she wrote on it, like, we come into each other's lives for ease, and she put in this leather thing, she branded on the box. So if I'm having struggles or something, boom, and I pop it in the box. Um, it's funny, you know, so much, so often we see each other and we're, like, people, we think we're so different, obviously, like, you know, 43-year-old guy in finance, you're a little young, you travel, we're like, just, you're more of a free spirit, I'm more, like, anxiety-ridden about travel, but we're so alike, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think people don't realize that. It was awesome having you, I told you, you nailed it, you crushed it. She Thank fucking you. crushed it. 